Welcome to the NBA Roadshow, episode number 234 and a half. My name is John Morgan. I am in Mexico City, Mexico, chilling back at the JW Marriott Hotel, the host hotel for UFC on ESPN Plus 17, which wrapped up earlier tonight in quite bizarre fashion. Chaos, to say the least, to close things at the end of the night in Mexico City Arena. If you didn't see it, Jeremy Stevens poked in the eye just 15 seconds into the fight, unable to continue. An absolute pandemonium ensued. Um, listen, crazy scene, unfortunate scene. People started throwing beer and and uh, and coins as well. I mean, hard coins, which is why you you heard some people you know ducking under the table, including Brendan Fitzgerald, one of the broadcasters who was uh, put on blast by his coworker Michael Bisping. Um, but it was it was definitely chaotic. I mean, I think there were some some concerns for safety. I mean, you could certainly feel the tension building. As you know, Stevens was having trouble getting his eye open, and uh, fortunately, you know, a very, very alert security team they sensed it as well. Uh, Kenny Gabriel, who's actually uh, the the head of security uh, in there tonight, uh, he was uh, escorting. You, you saw him. He's actually his photos are up on the uh, up on the old MMA junkie right now, where you can see. You know, he was he was kind of leading the charge, getting Jeremy Stevens out of the cage. And it's funny, I, I saw him earlier in the. Uh, man, he's you know he still got his suit on, but he just smells like beer. He was absolutely dumped with beer, man, just covered. So he just he smelled of it. It was pretty crazy. Um, but they got him out of there. And uh, you know, listen, the frustration of a main event ending in 15 seconds. I mean, the UFC has been gone for two years. They come back. Uh, you know, listen, let's call it like it is. You know, the economy here isn't exactly fantastic, right? You know, people have to make some sacrifices for to make their entertainment choices. UFC tickets are not cheap. Um, and, and they want to see their guy, Yair. And to have the fight taken away in 15 seconds, I, I understand the frustration. That said, it certainly does not justify throwing beer, uh, much less coins, which can seriously injure somebody, um, at Jeremy Stevens or, or at anybody else. Um, you know, I think Rodrigo Del Campo, uh, good friend Rodrigo Del Campo of Indiscutido.com, who, of course, uh, if you heard the show earlier in the week, helped preview everything. He he said it. You know, he said it first, and I, and I actually, you know, wholeheartedly agree with him that I think not only was there frustration the fans uh, of what happened in that moment, um, but also. You know, just the way the fight ended. You know, the the whole night, I should say. You know, the co-main event, Carlos Esparza picks up a, a decision win over Alexa Grasso. And we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, but you know, Alexa Grasso was dominant in the third round, and then she comes up short. And and so you know, people feel that she should have won that fight. So they're already frustrated from that. And it goes back even a little further. I mean, Brandon Moreno fights to a split draw with Oscar Askarov. Um, so you've got this kind of bizarrely scored split draw. Then you've got this frustratingly scored majority decision loss uh, for the hometown girl, or at least the home country girl. Uh, and then you want to go out on a bright note, and instead you get this 15-second no contest. So I do understand their frustration, uh, but again, certainly doesn't justify the reaction. Not a surprise. You could feel the tension building. You, you could feel it coming. I was actually in the back for this one. Um, I, I was working in the back interviewing the winners. Usually, though, I'll try to sneak out for the main event if I can. Unfortunately, it was just kind of uh, difficult to get back and forth from the press room 
to the floor. It was actually, you know, on, on a different level. And it's just, it, it wasn't the easiest um, move back and forth. And um, the, the, most of the staff that was working in the press room was primarily Spanish speaking. Uh, and, and I have pretty crappy Spanish. So they didn't really communicate effectively like, hey, as they do in, you know, a lot of the U.S. events, they'll be like, hey, listen, we're not going to bring anybody back after, you know, this particular fight. That way you know you've got a little spare time. So uh, I, I I watched this whole thing unfold from the back. And I'm kinda, I kind of wish I'd been out there just because, um, you know, to even get a better understanding of what it felt like. You know, like I can tell you exactly what it felt like during the, the Habib and, and Connor brawl because I was right there. You know, here uh, I could feel it in the arena and I could talk to people that were involved in it and I wasn't there. So I'm kind of bummed that I, that I wasn't there to, to have a better understanding of exactly what the emotion was like. But I will say uh, I was actually told by a fellow journalist that the first beer landed uh, basically right where my seat was <laughs> and I had been sitting for the first fight of the night, which I am so happy because I've already got one computer that's broken that I just found out the other day is going to cost $1,400 to repair, uh, unless I'm just going to scrap it and buy a new one. Um, and I'm using a backup computer now, and it had, I, had I lost that one too, I'd be uh, in a very, very bad position. So in some ways I'm glad I wasn't there. But, you know, the thing is I was watching it on a play out on TV, on the monitor in the back, that I, that I am glad I could see, because I don't know that you'd be able to see this from cage side, but... And if you pay attention to the way Jeremy Stevens uh, is is uh, his body language and the way he's reacting, this notion that he may have been faking it, I just come on, man. I mean, first of all, just the the fact that you would question Jeremy Stevens' character after all the sacrifices he made, the cost involved, the difficulties, all that of being gone for as long as he was away from home to to train, especially for this fight. To give it away in 15 seconds? Come on, man. Come on. And I get it. Like, the eye poke didn't necessarily look especially egregious. But the thing that stood out to me is that, you know, the eye would not open. And as you're watching it, and and you could see it pretty clearly that, you know, if you're trying to hold your eye closed, like you're you're just trying to say, I can't open it, like you're going to have to squint a little bit to do that. I don't know anybody that would have the – the strength of eyelid control <laughs> to keep it closed the way he did. And even as the doctors came and looked, you could see that there was some kind of muscle tensing there that we don't normally have control over as human beings. So I, I just I don't think he was faking it whatsoever at, at all. I just To me, again, it's not just a character decision. It's just looking at the... the the way the eye was reacting, it was staying closed, and he couldn't open it. Uh, and kudos to Herb Dean for trying to give him as much time as possible and trying not to mess with the eye more than he had to. You know, he's trying to tell the doctors. I don't necessarily think understood him completely, but they're you know saying, "Hey, let's give him some time. Let's let it rest a little bit. You know, let's see if it if it goes away." And it just didn't. And it's it's just damn unfortunate that it happened. It really is uh, unfortunate because I think it was going to be a fun fight. We were all excited for it. And uh, it just looks like a freak, a freak type injury to me, man. And and hopefully, uh, everything's okay. It sounds like you know from the the quick video that Jeremy did uh, at the hospital that you know he's he wants to run it back, and he said he'll do it in a couple weeks. So it doesn't sound like he's overly scared about there being any kind of permanent damage. But you know that's something that can certainly happen. So I I just I I think this was just terrible. 
and uh, I wish it hadn't happened. I, I understand the frustration of the fans. I wish they hadn't reacted the way they did. Um, and, and I do say I, I, I do like the idea of running it back. I don't think there's a lot of other fights for either one of those guys that really necessarily makes absolute sense. It's like I have to see it right now. So I kind of like the idea of running it back. And now you got you got more of a story to sell. You know, you got more of a, a real rivalry, whereas before – uh, Yair was saying he didn't even really want to fight Jeremy Stevens. Even now, he's saying he doesn't know that he that he, that he does or not. But I, I I think they should they should run it back. Now let's talk about Yair's reaction. Yair um, went absolutely nuts for a second. Um, you know, even yelling and cursing at, at Michael Bisping, who was just trying to interview him. Now his team pulled him aside and he calmed down real quick. Um, I, I will say some of the journalists that uh, I was working with this evening. And I can't verify this at all, but you know they said that they were told that something was yelled at uh, Yair from outside the cage, and that's part of the reason it set him off. I, I don't know if I put. A t- I mean, I'm not saying that's not true, but it did seem like he was starting to get angry already when the fight was waved off, and then it did. I mean, it it did seem like something happened that set him off. I asked him about it, and he, you know, he didn't really bite on it. So. Um, I don't know if he just doesn't want to, to to stoke the flames anymore or stir the rivalry anymore, but yeah, uh, unfortunate reaction. Kudos to him for pulling it together quickly and doing the interview because I thought he was going to storm out of the cage. You know, he yelled at Piss being and made it clear he didn't want to do an interview. Uh, he did pull himself together and do an interview. He also came back and talked to us in the back. He talked in Spanish first. Um, during the Spanish portion of the uh, the scrum, he actually held up his hands and showed his his uh, fingernails to show that hey man you know my, my fingernails are not long um, because again the way the finger went it looked like maybe it was more some kind of a maybe a scrape by the end of it than it was an actual you know real poke um, but you know I, I don't think there was anything dirty intended by Yair and I, I you know hopefully he doesn't think that's the what's being said but uh, you know he did make it clear look this was not done with malice and it certainly I don't I don't think that you know. I did it on purpose. He he did kind of suggest. I mean, he had calmed down and he was saying the right things, but he did kind of suggest that maybe Jeremy was faking it, not not outright accusing him, but just saying, listen, if he was, you know, if if this is a, uh, you know, if this is him faking, he's got to live with that the rest of life, and he's the only one that knows whether or not he was actually faking it. I get it. Look, I think Yair was still a little bit frustrated at that point. He, again, he had calmed down and was saying the right things, but I just don't think Jeremy Stevens was was faking it. And I, I mean, I just can't stress enough. I, I again, I'm no medical expert, but to me, the way that I was reacting, the way that eyelid was impacted, and, and not not necessarily you know moving or, or what have you, to me, it just doesn't didn't look natural. So, very very unfortunate circumstances. Um, like I said, we did get a few minutes with Yair Rodriguez in English, and um, here, here's what he had to say. We didn't get Jeremy. Of course, he went to the uh, the hospital right away, and you saw, I'm sure, the uh, the video that was posted. I think he sent it first to Karen Bryant, then uh, then then they sent it to us as well. So, um, but you know, he had a bandage over the eye. Was wearing sunglasses. I mean, there's something wrong with that eye, and we'll of course continue to monitor that as we can. But in the meantime, here's what Yair Rodriguez had to say. So, first of all. Um... <clears throat> You know, the fight ended in a no contest, yeah, your uh, initial thoughts on what would happen now that you have had, have had some time to cool down and think about the situation. So I kind of feel, I, I feel sad, you know, um, I, didn't, I didn't want this to happen. Um, my whole preparation was hard, it was really, really hard physically. You know, mentally I think it was the best preparation that I have ever had. You know, uh, I was completely focused. 
um, you know sometimes you let you, you, you let little things bother you will training comes going and stuff or whatever the saying back and forth whatever you know and uh, I think I deal with that really well um, you know I'm just sad the only th I'm, I'm as, uh, as I'm gonna say again I'm just gonna give the benefit of the doubt to Jeremy Stevens the only one who has to live with 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 that in his mind with that I don't know how to say it with that mm, doubt in his mind is is him. It's, it's only him, you know. He's the only one who knows how he feel, how, how it feels, you know. I I have never been puked in the eye in a fight, uh, but I have had a really bad a really bad eye, you know. In the Frankie Edgar fight, my eye was completely closed, you know. I couldn't see nothing, but I was willing to keep on going, you know. But not everybody's the same. I don't know how he was feeling, so. Complete benefit to, of the doubt to Jeremy Stevens, and you know, let, let's see what happened. This is uh, just uh, sad. This is sad. Yeah. What was going on through your mind when you were in the cage, uh, and you know, we, we saw what happened. The, the referee waved off the fight because you looked very, very emotional. Yeah, I just wanted to show people that, uh, you know, I didn't. I wanted to jump in the cage, you know, and let people know that I was there for them, that uh, that I was ready to fight, you know, that I that I feel like a winner no matter what. And uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of lose, I kind of lose it a little, you know, well, a lot, a lot, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just that, you know, that it was a lot of, a lot of talking and stuff, and I really wanted to fight. That's it, you know, I really wanted to fight. The only, the only thing that I could, it was, it was, it was not the back and forth. Just, just Jeremy Stevens saying stuff to me, you know, because I'm telling you, I kind of blocked that. I kind of blocked it. I, I, I didn't give, I didn't care. Uh, but you seen my family well dressed. Just seen my friends. Everybody spent a lot of money and a lot of time coming here. And everybody, all my team, you know, everybody had babies, and we were like a lot of time out of their houses, you know, in a place there is there is a, an amazing place to be, but it's also hard, you know. It's also hard used to pass by the fact to sleep in there. And being there, you know, even even though it was my tra my best my best my best training camp, uh, it was hard for all of us at the same at the same time. So that that was it, you know. All of that was going to my head, you know. I really wanted to fight. That that's it. That's it. So yeah, was there was anything that happened? Like was something said? Did somebody yell at you? Or because like obviously the emotion is understandable, frustration. But it looked like you got really really mad for a second. And, and did somebody say something to you? Or what 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 set you off? No, just just that, just the thinking of. Uh, because I, I, I look to my family and I look to my friends and they were like, hey, hey, come on, nothing happens and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, man, no, yes, something's happening. Come on, come on, guys. Like, this is something, it was something big, you know. And uh, just, just the way that it finished, because, uh, you know, I didn't like it, but, you know, I, I, I pray a lot. I pray a lot to God. You know, and if this is uh, the way that he's showing me that this is this was the way, I accept it. You know, and uh, the only thing left is just saying thank you to all of you guys. And, and I don't know if I say sorry, if I should say sorry about what happens. You know, uh, it wasn't my intention to puke his eye. Again, all the benefit of the doubt to your teams. What, what did you think about the crowd reaction? Obviously, it got kind of lovely there for a second. It was it was incredible. It was incredible, you know, it was a lot of pressure on Jeremy. A lot. You know, everybody turned back. They they turned on him.
you know, people wanted a war. I was ready to give them a war, and uh, it didn't happen. What, what do you want to do now? I mean, I, I think you've got, you've got to be in great shape. I'm sure you're fine. So what do you want to do now after, after this? Just, just keep on doing my thing, you know, keep on training, keep on fighting, keep on being focused uh, as I'm I right now. And, uh, you know, just talk, just talk to my team, talk to the UFC, talk to my management team and see what are we dealing with after and um, just move on, move on with this. But do you want to book something quickly so you don't wait? I don't want to say like waste the training camp, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. do you feel like you need to get something so that you can stay in shape? Yes, I, I just have to talk to the UFC and see, uh, you know, I didn't have enough time to talk to Sean Shelby or Dana or whatever, you know, and uh, I, cannot say, I cannot say anything about it, you know. Uh, I just want to wait, and uh, as soon as I have a response for that, I, I'll talk to you guys. And this was a bit of a heated build-up. Uh, people were really looking forward to this fight. Would, would you be open to rescheduling that fight with Jeremy? Because I know you also, uh, in the lead-up to this, we, we spoke, and, and you weren't too, too happy about his position. Or, so would you be interested in fighting Jeremy? Or? Yeah, that's, that's, something, that's something that I wanted to say to you. You know, uh, Jeremy Stevens wasn't the first on my mind uh, to fight uh, because he's behind me on the rankings and because he's really tough, you know. Uh, you know, he's really, really tough. He's a really tough guy. And uh, but, but basically, use the number you know that is behind me on the rankings. I was looking for something else. I, I, I openly say it since before this happened. And right now, I don't know, I'm just gonna wait and, and talk to the UFC again, see what they're thinking, and just move on, move on. You know, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot say anything. You know, I don't, I won't, I won't like that, that one at the end of my record, but whatever. All right, so Yair Rodriguez, there still, I think, kind of sorting through his emotions at the time. I, you know, I don't know that uh, anything he says right there you can necessarily hold him to. Um, you know, and the one thing that I thought was rough to hear was him saying that the reaction of the crowd was incredible. Um, I'll chalk that one up to a language difference as well. I mean, he speaks English very well, but I don't know, man. I, I, I don't buy that he thought the reaction of the crowd was incredible. I mean, if you're saying incredible in terms of like uh, – abnormal like it was it, it was crazy to see or what have you but I don't know like the way he answered that question it almost made me seem like it was like signing off on the crowd and and I guess I didn't really expect him when I asked him the question I didn't really expect him to just slam the crowd um but it would have been nice to say something to, to, to say that you know hey I wish everybody hadn't reacted that way I appreciate the support um what have you we didn't have any UFC officials tonight um you know UFC president Dana White wasn't here uh VP of international Dave Shaw wasn't here um so we didn't get any scrums with with UFC officials afterwards it would have been interesting to get their take uh on on what they thought I mean I can't imagine anybody would say it was good um whether or not it impacts their desire to want to come back here you know a lot of the Mexican journalists I think were really concerned that like oh my god the UFC is not going to come back now I don't think that's the case I I don't believe that you know this incident while unfortunate and ugly you know I I don't think it's a situation where now people are going to say well that market is just not viable for us I mean they're they're building a, a performance institute uh here in Mexico City so they're investing in the market you know they've got the new TV deal in place uh with with Fox actually which was funny to see all the the Fox Sports logos out there this weekend but I can't see them not coming back because of this, 
but I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll definitely take uh, security more security precautions and that sort of thing uh, moving forward. So just 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 very very unfortunate. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I to be honest, I'd, I'd kind of like to see him run it back. I'd kind of like to see him run it back. All right, the co-main event ended up being the the fight of the night. Um, Carlos Sparza picked up a uh, a hard fought win over Alexa Grasso. Uh, the crowd absolutely did not like this decision whatsoever. I mean, the boos were incredibly loud. Um, everyone in unison not happy uh, at this majority decision. 28-28 draw as well as 29-28 two times for Carla Esparza. Um, a good fight, a good fight. A good fight where I think Carla Esparza once again looked good. You know, she had suffered some losses and she looked good. I think she looks rejuvenated. Um, I think there was a lot of people that thought, myself included at times, that you know maybe that she was on the downside of her career. Um, but I think her striking is looking better, uh, you know, and and I think that of course her wrestling is always there, and she's putting it all together. and And I thought she looked really, really good here. But same thing for Alexa Grasso; she looked phenomenal as well. She had some great moments, especially, of course, the third round, uh, nearly ending the fight with an armbar. I mean, had the arm tweaked bad. And just Carla refused to tap, but had also wobbled uh, Carla on the feet a little bit too. So, um, very, very, very good fight and a deserving fight of the night candidate. Now, of course, the crowd is going to boo because it's their it's their hometown, home country girl. You know, they're cheering on the Mexican. You know, we said it. There were seven Mexicans on the card going in. Um, the final seven fights all featured Mexicans. Of course, everybody's going to cheer for their own. You know, it was Mexico versus the world. I get that. This one also had the added – there's like a twofold thing to losing decisions where I see people get most mad. Um, I feel like, number one, the first two rounds were good rounds. They were competitive rounds. But neither fighter was close to finishing the other one. Um, in the third round, yes, Alexa Grasso was very close to finishing Carlos Barza on two different occasions, both in the striking and the grappling department. That was clear. And – you know, maybe this if this was pride style scoring, you know, the old school where, where you where you score the entirety of the fight as one. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe you probably end up giving that to Alexa Grasso. Um, but that's not the way we do it here. We do round by round. And so the two things that I feel like most upset you know, crowds basically is when one fighter is closer to finishing the other and loses the decision. And I feel like when one fighter clearly wins round three, so you know you're exiting the cage. You know the, well, I shouldn't say exiting the cage, but you know the contest ends, and the momentum is clearly in one person's favor, but then the decision goes the other way. That's that's when people I think get upset a lot too because you're like, wow, come on, man, look how they finished the fight. You know, again, we know that's not how how fights are scored. They're scored round by round. Um, so with all that said, I I, I don't have a ton of problems with giving rounds one and two to Carlos Barza and round three to Alexa Grasso. So as far as selecting the round winners, I'm pretty much okay. Round one, razor close. And Alexa Grasso said that, you know, she thought her her team, you know, they, they thought they won that. And, and I get it. Round one started with Alexa Grasso. Um, Alexa Grasso was successful on the feet. She was doing what she does well. I mean, that striking that her and her teammate Arena Aldana both have. I mean, it's fun to watch, man. They're they're two of the most crisp boxers in the women's divisions, um, and 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 you know Alexa had some success, but I will say I thought as the round wore on, 
Carla started to, to, to shore it up a little bit. She started to bring it back. And I thought she had several good, successful moments of her own. So uh, I had um, really no problem. And then she did get two takedowns. Um, she had a, one one takedown a little bit early and then a late head and arm throw. Now, both times, I will say, she didn't necessarily do a ton while she was on top, but she did establish the position. She did get the takedowns, and she did have control. Uh, one of them was very close. Alexa Grasso, the first one, man, almost, almost reversed uh, the takedown as they scramble, but Carlos Spazer stuck with the takedown. Her second effort got her on top. I think that's key because had Alexa got on top there, you negate the takedown and, and uh, you know maybe that changes. So I really didn't have a problem. Now, round two was clear. I think there, I don't think there's any argument around two. I think the argument is round one. But I got to say, I'm okay with that going to Carlos Sparza. So um, I'm okay with giving Carlos Sparza round one and two. I think, to be honest with you, I think the, 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 the draw card – was the right card. Um, I think that third round was probably a 10-8. I mean, man, just wobbled. Wobbled her on the feet. Nearly finished. I mean, if were it not for Carlos Sparza's incredible durability, you know, would have been finished there um, and, and wasn't. So, I, I, to be honest with you, uh, I, I believe that would be the card of a Brian Puccillo. I believe. I hope I'm saying that name right. I'm not really familiar with that judge, to be all that honest. Um, he was the one that had it 28-28, giving a 10-8 in round three. Uh, Doug Crosby and Rick Winter both had 29-28. Uh, so again, they all three agreed on the rounds. Rounds one and two to Carlos Sparza, round three to Alexa Grasso. It was that 10-8. I'm okay with people arguing that maybe uh, Alexa won round one, but I just don't believe she did. I just don't believe she did but I do think the draw was the right call here so I don't see this as a robbery I don't and I understand why the crowd would and I get it I totally get it um but what I, I guess the only good thing about it is I do feel like it's one of those fights where neither one of these fighters sees their stock fall it was a great performance by Grasso she continues to improve this is against a former champion a former champion that she had a lot of respect and, and, and admiration for uh, as Rodrigo De Campo told us earlier this week, you know they, they, they you know Alexa saw Carla under the Invicta banner, you know, and and had respect for her there. So I mean, this was a, a big moment in 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 both their careers, and as far as proving where they belong. And I don't think either one of them takes a hit to their reputation. I think this was a phenomenal fight. Personally, I would have gone with a draw. I, I think that that would have been the right call for me. But uh, man kudos to Carla Esparza for her guts, man. Gutting out that third and final round. Hurt, arm extended, not not a good position to be in. Um, man, she deserves a lot of credit. So she came in and talked to us, and, and uh, she laid it out there, you know, the way she felt, um, you know, what she went through. Um, and she, she broke some uh, – broke a little news as far as uh, – the crowd's reaction to her after the fight, I'll let her tell it. Uh, perhaps not terribly surprising, given what happened after the main event, uh, but I thought this was, uh, I, I thought there, there was one really, really unfortunate piece of this, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll let her tell herself. This is Carlos Barza. Physically, can you tell us how you're feeling right now? I mean, that was a, a pretty crazy battle. Yeah, no, it was a really back and forth battle. That third round, she definitely got the better of me. That was a rough one for sure. I'm so glad I was able to pull that pull through. My elbow's a little, little bit sore right now, and um, 
you know, a little banged up, but overall I'm, you know, stoked with the win. I was going to have, I mean, you, clearly you were wobbled, but the arm was the part that looked really, really bad. Like how bad was that? Do you think there's any damage to it? Um, it was definitely sunken. Um, my, I, I, I was feeling it. It was hurting, you know, in between, but you know, it's one of those things when you've been fighting for so long, you know, you just got to like push through and you never know when something's going to loosen up an inch or you're still going to have that chance. So I just kept that mentality, like, just push through and you know get this win and fortunately that's what happened. How did you in your corner have it scored? Did you think you were going to walk away with the win or maybe a draw or what, what, what did you think? Well definitely I uh, I felt that I won the first two rounds and you know I felt that she dominated the third um, but uh, you know when you're in someone else's hometown you kind of never know how it's going to go with the judges and uh, I'm just really happy that it went my way. The crowd reaction had to be a little bummy right? I mean it was a phenomenal fight of course they're going to be cheering for their hometown girl right but did that, did that hurt the feelings at all, or what did that feel like? My goodness, yes, that hurt my heart. Um, it was, it, it's just unfortunate, like, I, and I understand the, the Mexican fans are so passionate and they really stand behind their fighters, and, um, you know, I, I've definitely fought in a lot of people's hometown, but definitely this was the most passionate crowd I've ever been in front of. The sad thing was, you know, that a couple, there were a couple of, like, bad seeds in the crowd. I was walking out and someone poured beer on me, and, you know, it just, it made me really sad because, like, I've, you know, people win and lose, but, you know, you can't control, like, the judges. And I felt that I fairly won the fight, and it was just um, really sad for me. And uh, how's your arm? Because you don't have a brace or anything. Is it okay? Because in the screen, it looked like it was going it definitely, It definitely hurts. Um, you know, like, I don't think I'm going to be throwing punches for a couple weeks. <laughs> but um, fortunately, it's not crazy, and it's still functional, so that's good. I think a lot of fighters would have tapped to that arm bar. Um, getting the win... Is it like obviously you know it's worth it, right? Going through that and knowing that you got the the, the victory. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, that's that's why I'm here. That's why I put so much into this camp. Is you know not to just give up when things get hard. And she she had a very good armbar. You know, I think everybody kind of saw my elbow kind of go like the other way. But um, you know, like I like I said, I was just fortunate that I was able to push through that and spin out. And where would you rank this fight in? among your other fights in your career because obviously you're very experienced but this was pretty epic the crowd was going wild yeah definitely the whole the whole fight was you know really crazy i would say that third round was one of the toughest like rounds of my career for sure she definitely like brought it that for that last one i think she knew that she was possibly down two rounds and she had to give it give it everything she had and then we spoke how this was the first time you were in in, in a headlining spot uh, you know, since your title fight, um, how was that? How was that like? Did you enjoy you know, being in the spotlight? Um, definitely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's amazing for me as a fighter. You know, it's like I mean, it's so cool. Like just oh, you know, just to be on that level and um, you know, because we work, I work so hard. I've been in the sport so long. Just to get that recognition is awesome. And you know, every time I see females headlining cards, I get a little bit like, yeah, like this is awesome. You know, and two Hispanic females. You know, even better. Carla, I keep pushing you against the new blood of the division, the fight against Calvillo. You got the losing streak, but you came back against Virra Yandirova, you came back against Alexa Grasso. What's the secret? Because it's been so many years at the top, it's just hard to stay at the top so many years. Yes, definitely. Um, in February, it will be my 10 years of fighting professionally. Um, I've been fighting the number one and top five top ranked fighters since my first year. Yeah. and. To me, it's just constantly maintaining that work ethic, maintaining like that drive to constantly want to be the best. 
um, and you know I'm one, I'm the old lady in the in the <laughs> crowd now, so I think it's you know that's not going to be a new story for me. I'm I'm going to keep getting these up and comers because there's constantly new freshes fresh faces in the division. All right, so having a beer dumped on her is uh ah frustrating, pretty pr- pretty unacceptable, man. I, I I hate to hear that. Uh, Carlos Barza went in there and fought her ass off, and uh, man. Like I said, I, I went with the draw, but I, I don't think this is a robbery. And, again, I do think Alexa Grasso gets a lot of credit here as well. So the the, the final part of this kind of frustrating into the night for the Mexican fans that we said that, you know, may have played some role in what actually, you know, occurred with the blow-up after Rodriguez and Stevens. Um, Oscar Askarov and Brandon Moreno fight to a split draw. Um, 28-28. Uh, and then uh, one judge had it 29-28 Askarov, and another judge has it 30-27 Moreno. Now, um, <laughs> those 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 cards are nuts because I'll be honest. If um, if if I think that Moreno had an issue here, a, a, a valid concern here. You know, he said he thought he won rounds one and three. Now, round three, incredibly clear, right? No no question about that. He definitely, he definitely won that. But uh, round one is the one that that that's where the question comes, and uh, only one judge gave that round to Brandon Moreno. That was Vladimir Puga, who had the fight thirty to twenty-seven for Brandon Moreno. Now even Brandon Moreno said he didn't believe in that score. He said, uh, "You know, I, I thought I lost round two, and I'll agree with him on that. I think." If you, if anything, the right score was probably 29-28 Brandon Moreno. Now, um, Saldi Amada, who had it 28-28, still gave the first two rounds to Askarov. He gave the third to Moreno 10-8. to uh, Meanwhile, Junichiro Camillo, uh, who's, who fights, uh, fights, who judges out of Nevada and I think does a great job, and I've seen him develop from the amateur ranks and tough enough. And I think uh, usually... I'm pretty in line with what he sees. I've always thought Junichiro Camillo is, is a very, very good judge. Now, he did have it 29-28 Askarov, so he gave Askarov rounds one and two. I don't think it's egregious. I do understand. I think round one was incredibly, incredibly close. Um, but I think Moreno had a case for it. And, and, and I think if I was judging it myself, I probably would have given him round one. And then again, I think round two was clear to Askroff. Round three was uh, clear to Moreno. So there you go. You go uh, 29-28 Brandon Moreno. So I understand uh, his his frustration. Um, I like Askarov. I, I do. I think there's a lot of talent there. I think that kid's going to be around. I mean, he came in with an undefeated record for a reason. Um, he's very, very talented. But I thought Brandon Moreno fought a very, very good, 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 good fight. Proved that he never should have been out of the UFC prove that uh he, he belongs there and um yeah i, I just I, I, th- I thought this was a bit unfortunate I, I especially when you just have three different scorecards it's like oh, come on man and 30 27 in, in a split decision it's frustrating and it goes back to what we talked about earlier you know the closest finish was brandon moreno nearly finishing the fight in the third with the rear naked choke i say nearly finishing the fight i mean askarov didn't look you know absolutely uncomfortable. He definitely wasn't a good position to be in, but he looked like he was still feeling things uh, okay. He was able to defend the choke very, very well. Showed great choke defense. 
It was a good performance for, by Askar Askarov. Um, I, I think he is going to be somebody to watch. But I think Brandon Moreno is somebody to watch. Still a young kid. Um, it just, all fun, as we said in the build-up early, a, a lot of attention placed on him in the week. So it, it was just a, a kind of a bizarre result. I, guess, I, I thought it was funny. Uh, if you notice, you know, Joe Martinez comes in and, and Joe's like, let's give everybody a, a hand for a great fight. And Dan Mirgliata, who's the uh, – who's the referee, raises both of their hands just in credit. And Askarov, who A, doesn't speak English or Spanish, and B, is deaf, um, has no idea what's being said. And so he thinks, like, ah, they raised both of our hands. Like, damn, it's a draw. But they hadn't even announced the draw yet. So I thought that was kind of a funny moment. Like, he thinks it's already a draw. Then they bring it back, and it actually is a draw. So I think it would have been even more difficult for him (laughs) had he lost uh, to think for a minute he had a draw and then find out he lost. But anyway, just a funny little quirky moment there. I thought, uh, again, difficult. We didn't get to speak to Askarov at, at all this week, and they didn't even have quotes from him at the end. They did bring Brandon Moreno back to talk to us. But again, as we mentioned earlier this week, it, understandable. They didn't have a, a Russian to Spanish to English. And then again, I, I'm not even sure if he speaks completely or something. He didn't seem to be signing with his team. But, uh, you know, again, he is deaf i think he has some partial hearing but he's still considered legally deaf so i don't know interesting i, I the, you know the guy definitely has skills um but di- you know again didn't get to see him uh, in person at all other than in the cage you know i always like to kind of size up people and see how they see how they look up close in in, in the division whether they think you know they're going to uh, be a physical power there and then of course you know get to speak to him as well it just didn't happen but uh I kind of feel, <laughs> I feel the I feel the frustration on this one a little bit more than than I did on the Esparza Grasso one. So, uh, all right, Arena Aldana picked up a, a dominant decision win over Vanessa Mello. Uh, Vanessa Mello stepped in on on very very short notice. Tough assignment, man. She missed weight. Arena um, Aldana is difficult, and you're fighting in Mexico as well, which is tough. Um, I will say this: Mello showed she is tough because Aldana was trying to put her away and was doing some damage, but just couldn't quite get the finish. But still, uh, an impressive performance by Irene Aldana, uh, who uh, afterwards uh, made it clear, like, you know, hey, she was, she was happy. And again, you know, I, I talked earlier about Grasso's English. Aldana's English is very, very good as well, man. They've, they've really, really uh, improved. She wants, a, she wants a fight with Raquel Pennington. She wants a rematch with Raquel Pennington. Uh, of course, she lost that split decision in July. Um, but there were some things going on behind the scenes, and, and Aldana believes, look, I'm, I'm a better fighter, and I should be able to, I should have been able to win that fight. Uh, once the rematch, not going to get it right away. Raquel Bittington, of course, is uh, is booked to fight um, uh, later this year. But um, she also said that she, she wouldn't mind taking Marion Renault again, who Marion Renault was supposed to be in that fight. Uh, and had to withdraw. I uh, was having vertigo and some some issues that she's dealing with right now. I think she's trying to get worked out. So uh, Aldana said she she would uh, entertain that as well. But just a great great result for Aldana. She looked fantastic, man. She's when she is on point. She's uh, you know very similar to Grasso. Very 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 fun to watch. Stephen Ocho Peterson kicked off the main card with a spinning back fist knockout of Martin Bravo. Man, devastating finish here. Uh, they both kind of sp- sp- spun, span, spinned. 
<laughs> almost simultaneously, but it was Steven Ocho Peterson who landed clean. Uh, man, just just nuts. I mean, it, it, look, Steven Peterson is a is a fun fighter who's always in, in, in a fun fight, man. He's always going into their battle. But he lost the first round, no question about it. You know, he told me earlier in the week, like, hey, man, the big thing here is, you know, um, you know, I got to get hit less and <laughs> that sort of thing. It's like, ah, didn't work. <laughs> Did not work. Uh, he still got hit, but it doesn't matter. You know, he dug deep. He seems to like those kind of fights. And um, sure enough, man, he he, he delivered be- beautiful technique, beautiful counter, and devastating result. Now, Stephen rightfully got some online criticism. Um, and, I, hell, even criticism in our own chat room uh, internally at MMA Junkie for going and throwing a couple extra punches to a clearly – Unconscious Martin Bravo now. No different than uh, you know Jorge Masvidal with the with the extra shots against Ben Askren that he said were super necessary. Um, saying, "Oh, he, I thought he might get back up." Uh, no, he's obviously not getting back up. Um, and Stephen Peterson apologized for that he, he, right away. I mean, even without being prompted in the scrum, he basically said, "Look, I'm proud of what I did. I am sorry." Uh, for that, I, sh- I should not have done that. I, you know, heat of the moment. I didn't know if he might get back up. You know, and it is true. You know, they do tell you keep going until the ref pulls you off, and he had not been pulled off yet. But he admitted he didn't feel good about it. He said it was wrong, and you know, and it was. I mean, again, it technically letter of the law. No, you just keep going until they pull you off. Uh, but to, to his credit, he did say, "I'm sorry. Uh, I, I should not have done that." And, of course, we asked him about potentially winning the bonus. He did end up winning performance of the night. Uh, we asked him about it afterwards. And, uh, you know, hey, kind of assuming you're going to get one here. And, and uh, you know, are, are you spending it in your in your head yet? And he said, no, nah, listen, man, I'm, I'm trying to be smart with my money. I'm doing this. I'm not flashy. You know, I'm doing this for a reason, and that is to uh, to take care of my family. I'll invest this and, and wisely. So a good dude, man. Obviously, you know, fighting out of Dallas, I've always got love for my Texas boys. I'm always going to have a little support. Uh, but this was a, a fantastic finish from Steven Peterson. So, uh, uh, entertaining card, uh, but certainly had its share of chaos, including the way it ended in the main event. Now, one other highlight of the main card happened backstage. Jorge Masvidal was in town as a guest fighter after that uh, press conference in New York that a lot of people fell or felt you know, came up a little bit short. And, I, look, I get it. I, I didn't think the press conference was great either. I mean, I, I think you always knew that Masvidal and Diaz, they're, they're not big talkers. They're not going to sit there and talk a lot of trash back and forth to each other. I mean, they've all had some great lines over the years, but normally it's it's uh, prompted by somebody else's trash talk. So, you know, it fell a little flat. And, again, then the, the other thing was it was last minute. You know, it was last minute. Um, and, and so the media that was on hand – I don't know. It just it wasn't the usual suspects, I guess. It was kind of hard to get a get a uh, get a team together for everybody. So uh, it, it did come up a little short. So we got a chance to talk to him and 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 was fired up, except for one thing. Since we're in Mexico, Masvidal only wanted to speak Spanish. <laughs> so I I want to play you what happened. He he, he I, basically, and I will give this because he could have been. He could have stuck to his guns and been a little meaner about it, but right away he's like, I only want to speak Spanish. Uh, and you'll hear me uh, rattle off what little tiny Spanish I do have. Uh, and then proceed to just go ahead and ask me a question in English anyway. Um, 
to his credit, I, I appreciate the fact that he did answer uh, the questions in English. Now, um, once that got done, uh, right away, Danny Segura was next uh, from MMA Fighting. Started asking questions after me. And uh, right away, <laughs> Jorge busted his balls too. He was like, hey, you speak Spanish. Now, to his credit, Danny Segura speaks a lot better Spanish than I do. So he just shifted over right away. Uh, I, I knew that if it was only Spanish, I wouldn't get much. So I got a little bit of English. So we got a couple little quotes here. So we'll get a little bit of Masvidal. Uh, the rest of it in Spanish. Uh, I did send it over to my wife, and, and she translated it. Uh, so we do have those quotes. We just don't have the nice audio to use. But we'll have a, a piece up on that on Sunday, I'm sure. So anyway, uh, here is uh, the little bit of time that Jorge Masvidal was willing to speak English. Going that ways. Está prendido. Boy, first the Scarface suit, now this get up, man. The, the style has been strong this week. Habla español, amigo. Solo un poco. Okay, entonces habla, gringo. Uh, Vamos. Por favor, un poco inglés primero. No, estás en México. Respeta, habla español, mi hermano. You got to see Nate Diaz for the first time and kind of size him up. I mean, what were your impressions from that press conference? I mean, I've seen Nate, Nate before we ran into each other here and there. We've both been in the sport for a long-ass time, so I've seen him at a couple spots. Um, my impressions were, let's go, man. Let's fucking fight, man. And I think he thinks much like me. You know, I got to do these press conferences. I got to do these things to make the money, put it in my pocket. But at the end of the day, I want to just fight, man. That's what I want to fucking do. That's what I signed up for. You know, that's what I love to do. You know, the face-off, you, you usually kind of keep your hands behind your back, stay cool like that. But, I mean, are you trying to glean anything or send a message with your body language or your eyes? I mean, is there anything that, that happens in that stare-down? Of course. There's a million things that happen in that stare-down. A million one things in my mind processes things at such a fucking fast rate when it comes to those moments, you know. What I, the information that I do get those from myself, I can't tell you or nobody, you know. Fair enough. Did Dana show you the design of the belt yet? Have you seen no, what it's gonna look no, like? No, 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 I have no idea. They've kept it secret from me and from Nate. I, I have nothing. I know nothing of the belt, you know. We do know that The Rock's gonna put it on the winner, though. What's, what's your I thoughts heard. on knowing that that's confirmed now? Oh, it's confirmed? That's fucking awesome, man. Rock's a bad motherfucker his damn self, so that's a pretty cool thing, man. Last thing for me, I know you guys both have respect for each other, but when he kind of wanted to put this together, he said, yeah, y'all are both gangsters, but you're not a West Coast gangster. What do, you, what, do you, what do you take from him saying that? Damn right I'm not a West Coast gangster. I'm <laughs> fuck right, man. I'm from Miami, Florida. That's in the South. That's as South as you could go. I was raised by Spicks, by the Latin community, and that's what I am. I'm a Latin motherfucking thugged-out motherfucker goon from Miami, Florida. That's what I am. Is it nice to sort of have a build-up where... More English? You don't speak Spanish either? No, 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 Español, mi hermano. Estás en México? No mames, güey. All right, so there you go. Jorge Masvidal, he went on to speak, as we said, in uh, in Spanish quite a bit. Uh, my wife did transcribe it for me earlier, so uh, thank you to her. She uh, she translated it. And, uh, you know, not a, a ton of new stuff as far as the Spanish, you know, just, uh, you know, saying how, listen, man, this this fight's a great fight. You know, it's two guys that don't talk, but we're going to show the world that you don't have to talk. Um, you know, it, kind of the theme of the fight or whatever. Uh, did throw a lot of shade at Kamaru Usman. You know, said Usman didn't want the fight. Then he was willing to take the fight, but it was too late. You know, so he doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't like Usman very much at all. Doesn't like his style, too much wrestling, not enough striking. Uh, said that you know even when the fight's on the floor and he's got a guy down, he won't strike enough. Um, so yeah, you know, kind of took some shots at Kamar Usman again in Spanish. Um, did did say uh, Kobe Covington's name was brought up. He did say, look, we're not friends. 
uh, and and then went on to say, look, nobody here knows him. I'm not going to make him famous talking about him. So um, definitely, you know, definitely didn't take the chance to bury him like he could have, but made it clear he didn't he didn't want to talk about him at all. Um, and then he just teased, you know, teased some moments. Said, look, we got big plans. Me and my manager, Abe Kaba, we got big plans. Um, and we'll let him be known November 2nd, but uh, I can't tease it until then. So first we got to go in and get this knockout. So anyway, uh, it was great to have him as a guest fighter. If you didn't see the other day, by the way, we had uh, – they're all up on YouTube and they're up on um, – on MMA Junkie as well, but um, we also had Henry Cejudo, Brian Ortega, and Cain Velasquez, all his guest fighters as well. But we got to talk to them yesterday after the official weigh-ins, uh, Friday. There was a, a community event. But so some good stuff from all of them. You know, uh, obviously Cejudo was on fire. Uh, he's, he's always got a little bit of cringe, but he, he was he was uh, throwing out, you know, basically saying that he doesn't, you know, wants to fight at 135. He's, he said he was 160 at the moment. Uh, and so he wants to fight at 135 first, even though Dana wants to fight flyweight. So there's there's talk there. Took took a little shot at Aljamain Sterling, um, you know, but you know also was kind of respectful to Joseph Benavides and said, look, I, I know I got to do right by the flyweight. So uh, there was that. Brian Ortega was there. Cain Velasquez admitting, uh, you know, he still wants to fight again, but you know if, if somebody will pay him enough to wrestle, he'll do that because he because he enjoys that. So uh, good had a good roster of guest fighters here. Uh, listen, Jose Teco Quinones. Picked up an decision win over Carlos Joaquin. Uh, Quinones speaks absolutely no English whatsoever, and they didn't have a translator ready to go, so <laughs> we didn't get to talk to him. Kyle Nelson had the big knockout of Marco Polo Reyes. Kyle Nelson, my goodness. You know, we joked it with him the other day uh, at, the, at the media day. I said, man, you're such a polite, you know, Cana- you know Canadians are all so polite. You know, how are you going to come in here and be the bad guy in Mexico? And he's like, ah, oh, listen. Uh, you know, I'm not going to play a villain role, but he's like, I'll be the villain when I knock him out in the first round. And damn it if he didn't. Knocked him out in the first round. Uh, Angela Hill looked phenomenal uh, with this win over Ariana Carnalosi. Um I-, I will admit, the the elbow, the, sh- the, the, the cut that was there that stopped the fight, I don't know. It, it, it didn't look that bad to me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. It just didn't look awful. I mean, it was it was a bad position. It was a beautiful elbow. You know, I talked to Angela afterwards. I said, listen, I know nobody likes to win by a cut, but when it's a beautiful cut like that, what do you, you know, a beautiful elbow like that that causes it, you know, beautiful technique, you know, picture perfect. Uh, does that make you a little better? And she was like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I was trying to slice her open, and I did, and then I tried to punch the cut a little bit. So she said she was even a little surprised too, but, you know, she'll definitely take the stop, and she wants to get on that Washington, D.C. card at the end of the year if she can uh, but man, a, a big win for Angela. She looked good. Carnalosi is powerful, aggressive, dangerous, and Hill was just moving well, sticking and moving. I was super impressed by Hill here. I thought this was a, a phenomenal performance. Sergio Pettis picked up the decision win over Tyson Nam. Not quite as impressive, um, but you know, nevertheless, a dangerous Tyson Nam. Sergio Pettis whitewashed him there, thirty twenty-seven on all three cards. And to his credit, Sergio afterwards said, listen, I, I know I was fighting a little bit of a safe fight. You know, I had to. You know, I needed this. I'd had, you know, a couple losses in a row. I need I need to get a win. You know, I need to get back on track. Here I got this newcomer coming in that's got nothing to lose, has been trying to get here for, you know, 10 years. Um, and he's right. You know, it wasn't the type of performance for Sergio Pettis that uh, will, 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 you know, earn him a ton of fans. But it was a result. It was a result he needed, uh, and, he, and he fought safe. And I can appreciate the fact that he even admitted, 
hey, man, I, I fought a little safe. I, I had to get this win. Uh, Paul Craig with the big uh, submission win over Vinicius Moreira. was Almost had the knockout, ended up getting the submission instead. Paul Craig, uh, enjoy talking to him, man. He's a blast always. And look, this was the last fight on his deal. Uh, he, he fought out his contract, and he's hoping that they offer him a, a chance to stay back. I would think they would after a, a win like that, a result like that. Um but uh, dangerous, man. He's he's fun. I like him. And asked him about that face-off. You know, he got up in Vinicius Moreira's face the other day. And Vinicius acted, reacted kind of weird to it. Like, he put his hands up like he wanted to shove. And then he didn't, I guess, you know, not wanting to get in trouble. But you know, Paul was like, yeah, next time just push me, dummy. You know? Well, he didn't say dummy. That would be wrong. He said, next time push me, and it had been over. He's like, you should have pushed me, and you didn't. And it was it was weird. You could tell he kind of got in his head a little bit. Uh, Betch Cohea. With those, with the upset win over Sajara Eubanks, I mean, Betch Cohea showed her toughness here. Clearly lost the opening round. Looked like she might even be finished, and then battled back to win the final two rounds. Emotional win for her. Uh, we unfortunately did not have a translator for her either, so we didn't get anything out of her post-fight. Um, but you could clearly see her emotion. And I think this is a tough loss for Sajara, who um, who faded. No question about it, man. She was fading. Uh, and allow Betch to come back and and uh, and score the, the the comeback upset win. That'll be a big setback for Sajara Eubanks. I will say going in, you know, I talked to Sajara earlier in the week, and it did, and I almost said something to her, and I'm like, ah, it's not really my place to say anything. But you know, she's like, I want that knockout. I want that knockout. Like, I'm not saying you can't get a knockout, but man, why not use those jujitsu skills? Why not use that grappling ability that you have? Um, I don't know. It, and I think it cost her here. So, big win for Betch Cohea, who, you know, listen, is is clearly not the most athletic fighter on the roster. Is clearly not always the most slick and skilled athlete in the women's division, but who just always is tough as hell. Uh, and she battled back and got this one done. Deserves some credit for that. And the night started out with Claudio Poyas picking up a uh, clear-cut decision win over Marcos Mariano. Uh, Marcos Mariano just got thoroughly out-wrestled here. Um, Claudio was able to take him down rather easily. Marcos, uh, to his credit, you know, did battle out of Kimura that looked like destined to end the fight, so he deserves some credit for his toughness. But, man, just the wrestling wasn't there. It was uh, it was pretty one-sided. 30-25 on all three cards. So, uh, it was, like I said, a fun night. There were good fights. It was entertaining. It ended in bizarre fashion. That's the way this game, that's what we love about this game, right? <laughs> that's what we love about this game. Uh, it's unfortunate the fans reacted the way they did, but in the immortal words of Max Holloway, who is fighting Alexander Volkanovsky at UFC 245, it is what it is. <laughs> All right, listen, it's getting late. It's getting late. I got to uh, start getting ready to head home. I'll be back in Vegas this week. Um, Cole Coffey is heading out to Bellator 228. Uh, so he'll be out there in Inglewood, California. Uh, Simon Head and Abby Subban are actually going to be in Dublin to cover the Bellator 227 and Bellator Europe 4 combo car. There, we'll have Per Hodgestam out in UFC or out in Copenhagen, Copenhagen to cover UFC on ESPN Plus 18. It is a busy damn weekend of fights. And, of course, the weekend after that, that's when we head to Australia for UFC 243. So, anyway, all that is upcoming. We'll get to it when we can. Fortunately, we got together for a little and a half after that madness in Mexico. And uh, to everybody that's here, let me just say thanks for listening. 
Oh, 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 oh,